right, folks, here we go. Um, Jerry A. Thompson, and uh, welcome to this episode of the Pivot Play podcast. And I am here today with Stevie Coleman. And uh, so typically when we start these things off, so, and, and I'm going to read your, I'm going to read your bio, Stevie, but you know, it seems like a large number of my guests um, are people that I have a relationship with. So we just start talking, but you know, we have a different uh, way of getting to know each other. So I think this is important for our audience. So I'm going to go through part of your bio. So uh, Stevie Coleman is a TV production HR director for Viacom CBS from nine to five and an entrepreneur all the time. Uh, she has a career services business, StevieLColeman.com. Stevie was a career counselor from her freshman year at the University of Illinois, Urbana-Champaign, in my hometown, until she graduated from that same institution with her Master's of Human Resources uh, some years later. While Stevie currently works in entertainment throughout her 10-year career, she has provided HR support within the digital media, aerospace manufacturing, and safety solutions industry. Stevie enjoys helping people, we'll talk about that, um, from students to executives as they rebrand themselves, focus on new career goals, and prepare for interviews. And when Stevie has downtime, she can be found binge watching and then recurating beauty tutorials. So, hi Stevie. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> so, I want to I share with the folks watching how, um, how I came to know who Stevie Coleman is. Uh, and it'd be would be through one of your relatives who is a uh, one of my golf buddies slash mentees, you know, just like little brother. And uh, so, you know, I've been helping him along with with some of his professional journey, very qualified, very smart young man. And then he was looking at a different opportunity in his industry, and then he turned to you. So I, I didn't know anything about you, but I so I first saw you for a mock interview uh, that you guys did. And I walked away from that just so impressed um, just with the thoroughness of your questions, your approach, your counsel to him on how to prepare for this next level opportunity. And I was like, yeah, I, we, we need to have a conversation because she is like super dope. So <laughs> uh, yeah, so um, I'll, I'll start with this. So who is Stevie L. Coleman? Who am I? Uh, yes. Well, I'm the cousin, the little cousin of the person <laughs> that introduced us. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I'm originally from St. Louis. I know you live there now. Um, and I am an HR practitioner. So I have done all things human resources on the generalist side, which means I've done a little bit of compensation, a little bit of staffing, but I always have a client group that I'm responsible for. And then I kind of run the gamut of all things HR for them. Um, I really have a passion for like learning and development. I like that space a lot. Um, and, you know, like my bio said, I work in TV production currently at Viacom CBS and I'm based in New York City, which I love. Um, but I have, you know, passions outside of that. So I love anything beauty related. Um, I love makeup, I love hair. Any way I can think of to be creative is really how I um, decompress. So, um, I love doing things in that realm as well. And sometimes I play on other people's faces, mostly my own, but yeah. That's <laughs> so, that's, so that's interesting. Um, so my, my audience knows that I am big on, uh, creativity, um, you know, being driven by our curiosity. And if you can find, you know, an area of your life to express creativity, I believe it makes creativity available to you in all of your life. 
which I think gives you a leg up. So what, what, what role does creativity play for you? Um, I think for me, it's like a, a form of relaxation. So one thing that I've said is like makeup is how I meditate. So, you know, whenever you see me out, I, I will have some type of look, right? Um, and it might be something super simple, but it's just really a really relaxing way for me to start my day um, before I decide to, you know, exit and go out into the world. You know, right. I think first impression. And so I want to be able to control that also. Right. Um, so yeah, that's what it means to me. Right. And so, and then, so folks, tblcoleman.com, definitely check it out. And I remember, so, you know, just reviewing your, uh, your website, like you, you can produce many looks, right? Um, and so you just mentioned something else though, in terms of first impressions, right? And so while we're, you know, a lot of our conversation will be around what happens, you know, in people's, you know, job and career life, um, talk about the importance or um, the opportunity in a first impression. Um, well, you only get one, which we all know, but I think easily forget. Right. And so I think the way that you choose to present yourself, and if you choose to present all of you or a portion of your personality and decide kind of how to parse it out, I think depending on the situation, you need to be really mindful of how you introduce yourself to people. And that's always been really important to me and definitely something that my family ingrained in me. So um, I think that in a professional setting, there's like a very, I feel like I have it down pat exactly how I want to present myself, which would be very different than, you know, in a social situation, you're going to get a way more laid back version of me than you would at work. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So in that, so, so with that first impression, one of the things I always say to folks is pass the eye test, right? Mm -hmm. uh, I think people, you know, we know this from research that people make a lot of decisions about who and what you are just based on, you know, visually how you appear to people. Um, and so I think that there's, there's definitely something to be said there. So let's, so let's just delve into um, some of the work that you do in, in particular. Um, was there something that drew you to, to HR? Cause you know, HR is kind of like dealing with legal and then like dealing with finance, right? So I, yes. depending <laughs> on what side of the conversation or what side of your, the table you're on, you know, uh, HR folks can be either the ally or the enemy. So what, what, what draws you into that as a specialty? I think overall, I have a business major uh, from undergrad that was, um, I was fascinated in kind of international business in general, but how businesses were structured was the most interesting thing to me and how it differed kind of from country to country. So that's how I picked my major. I had no idea what it meant to do with that. I didn't know what my options were. Um, and I kind of fell into it because I was working at the Career Center from my freshman year. I had attended a National Association of Black Accountants meeting. There was a woman there who gave a presentation. She was a senior, I was a freshman, and she taught us how to build a resume. And I was like, that's interesting. I want to learn more. And she told me that the Career Center where she worked was hiring and I could do the same thing. So I applied, got the job, was very excited because I found a way to make money. Uh, while at school, because my parents were <laughs> trying to cut the cord. And I, you know, did that for my entire undergraduate career. And then when I graduated and went to grad school, I continued that same work. In between there, I did actually an internship at the Career Center the summer between my sophomore and junior years. And so they had a grant that was to create a package for all the freshman RAs that would explain, here's all the services the Career Center offers. Mm -hmm. 
here's how you can figure out what you want to do with your major. Here's a million different careers you can have, right? We have all these different workshops that we offer. We would come present them to floors, to sororities and fraternities. And so um, I, you know, was working on that all summer. I was also working on putting together um, a crew that was going to hire the new director of marketing for the Career Center because the previous one um, had decided to take another opportunity. And another person on that search committee said, hey, you'd be good at HR. Had no idea who she was. She said, come to my office, have a meeting with me. She wound up being the dean of my HR master's program. And she said, I really want you to get in contact with a couple folks who are in this business already. I think that they could teach you a lot about what it means from a corporate standpoint. Um, I talked to both people. One of them said, hey, I think you have an interesting background. Send me a resume. That ended up being my first corporate HR internship between my junior and senior years. I decided to pursue my master's degree and not take my full-time offer from that career. I spun it into a second internship with that same company, completed my master's, and then started my HR career. So really, it was like a happenstance and kind of right place, right time. And as I did that first internship, it was a summer I don't remember, somewhere between sophomore and junior, or junior and senior year, um, I really, really liked what I did, because I understood what finance, legal, like, you know, everything, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you don't know this about me, but I can be very nosy. So I was like, this is great. <laughs> I get to know everything. And, you know, I, I'm a lifelong learner, I guess I should say that versus I'm nosy. But <laughs> it was, uh, I thought it was really a cool way to spend your career and that there were so many different facets within that HR umbrella that I really didn't know about that I could learn off. Right. So here's, so here's what I always, I, I find interesting in what you're, what you're saying so far is um, you're, you're hitting on all my, on all my points, Stevie. So all the things that, that matter, right? So talked about passing the eye test. Another thing I speak to people about is the value of being a master communicator. Uh, which clearly you have a command of the language, right? But so now if we, we take that, right, and sort of these first impressions, command of language, uh, and, and then topping off on uh, the three A's, which I'll come back to, but they are aptitude, uh, appetite, and attitude, right? You need to have those, uh, those three things. But it seems in this in exchange that sort of kind of pivoted you towards what you're doing now is you gain almost an instant advocate, right? And and so for the folks listening, and for me, when I speak of advocates, especially um, in the career space, it's people who are willing to put their social and political capital um, up on your behalf, right? They're they're spending what they have earned, their influence um, to make something happen for you. And so probably without even thinking about it strategically that way, just in the way that you present yourself, just in the way that you communicate, just the way that you demonstrate that you have the the appetite, the aptitude, and the attitude, I think that has, you know, just, and this is the thing I think people have to know, if it's just who you are, then those things just work for you. You don't have to manufacture it. Um, and so you've benefited from advocacy and maybe there's another places you have as well. So in the career space, what do you see as the difference between an advocate and a coach? An advocate is going to advocate for you naturally. You don't have to ask for it. A coach is someone that you have to seek out or we tell you that you're going to, right? HR will say, you need a coach right. for whatever reason, right? Sometimes it's because 
you need help to get to the place where you can get natural advocates because you don't have any in your corner right now. Or um, it could be like, hey, you're doing a great job. How about we make sure we reinforce you the things that you're already doing and take it to the next level, right? Yeah. So we can give a couple different reasons why we do it. Um, but that, that's the difference. Coaches you seek out, advocates, they're going to tell everybody how amazing you are without you having to ask. Right. Which is, again, another one of my bylines is there's decisions being made about you and your career in meetings you're not invited to. Correct. Right. So who's going to be there to to speak up for you? Who's going to be there to make sure that contextually, you know, and who you are and what you're about and what your value is? um, Someone, again, to your point, just very naturally does that. But how wonderful it is when that person has some influence. Right. And it can actually um, make some things happen. That's awesome. Uh, so, so obviously, one of the things that you've dealt with a lot is, um, you know, folks who are coming from a purely, you know, education and learning space, and now they're getting ready for their first job slash opportunity. Um, so, what is that prep like for someone who's coming from the from the book and in theory and preparing them to to have, you know, the right look and the right language and approach for that first job? First job is almost uh, the easy, they're the easiest people to consult with because they're an open book. So I love anybody that is a senior in college, they're my favorite people or has just graduated Um, because they don't know anything and so they're a sponge. And so I think the number one thing that you need to think about is trying to create whatever your elevator pitch is gonna be. I think that's what people who are fresh out of school struggle with the most because they've never really had to do that before. And so how are you in 60 seconds gonna pitch who you are to a company? Um, I think that's number one to figure out how you wanna brand yourself, right? Are you an athlete who's now, who has a passion for numbers? And so you wanna spin that into your career in accounting, right? You need to decide what that looks like and how you talk about the grades you had and how you talk about how you were able to, you know, balance the career you had as an athlete also with your schoolwork, right? So coming up with your story is number one. Um, I think number two is making sure that you um, really understand the role you're applying to. Because even though a lot of intro roles, they are pretty much going to teach you what they want you to do at work every day, you still need to find exactly what they're looking for and why you're a different candidate than everyone else, what sets you apart, and why you want that particular role. So that it doesn't just seem like, oh, you know, I just need a You do. But you want to be able to, you know, be your own, I don't know, pump yourself up to look like the most attractive candidate and that you very clearly understand why you want this career and how, why you want this position and how that position is going to feed into the rest of your career, right? Right. So understand why this puzzle piece fits into what you want to do later on. Um, Go ahead. So, yeah, and so so I'm thinking now, so if, you know, a graduating senior, right, or someone looking for that first job, if they're the easiest, then let's, so let's talk about the people who've been around the block a couple of times and they've had some experiences. So how do you see the differences with, with, with those folks? The difference is they, once they've already gone through the process a couple times of getting a couple new jobs, people assume that they know exactly what to do. And the strategies that have worked for you before, you can't assume that it's the same. Even if you were at a company for a year, it's a new hiring team, the job market changes constantly, what people's expectations constantly changing, right? 
And so you need to be flexible enough to change with the times. And I think that's the thing that people run into when they feel like, well, I've interviewed a thousand times and the same strategy worked for me before. And it's like, okay, but that was three years ago or four years ago or whatever. Time has elapsed. This is a different market. And so you need to change with the times. That's the biggest difference I see. And so it's kind of interesting, right? Because now in the midst of this pandemic, right, which has tipped a lot of things sideways um, and a lot of very highly qualified, very experienced people are now looking, you know, for employment. And I personally think, man, the worst time to do that is when a bunch of other folks who could look just like you have similar backgrounds and tenure and all that. Everyone's on the street at the same time, you know, looking for a small number of jobs. So in terms of um, someone setting themselves apart and, and perhaps we can just call that, that uh, differentiation. How do you coach someone to, to stand out when there's potentially, you know, 10, 50, a hundred, 500 other people with similar experience and background? Um, I think it starts with how you're putting your resume together. So, um, the thing that people typically do on their resumes is talk, they basically write a job description. They'll say, I'm Stevie. I worked at ABC company and these are all the things I did, right? Like I hired somebody and it, it, it'll be super general. They don't quantify enough. They really don't go into much detail so that I can understand how they are different. Because if I have two resumes and two people did the exact same job, but I can see that like year over year, somebody increased the employee satisfaction score 20% and this is how versus I administered the employee satisfaction survey each year. Right. They're very different, but they say the same thing. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's funny because I, I had a lot of those conversations with people. So one is I find that people don't keep track of their impact. No, they uh, don't. The things that they have done. And so it is very uh, painful sometimes for them to try to go back and quantify because they don't think about their impact, which means they're probably not thinking about their overall value proposition. It's a whole different um conversation and that there was a book that's I think it's been long since out of print I've been looking for it occasionally called Zingers um, and the book Zingers was all about what you're talking about is like how do you build a resume and tell your story with things that matter like you know if I give you a hundred words on a sheet of paper but in there there's five numbers your eye is going to be drawn to the numbers right and so that's a way for people to express kind of what they've done so you've either you know, you, you can save money, make money, make people more productive or something, your, you know, process, but there's, there should be some numerical way to express that um, minimally. So I think that that's a, that's an excellent point. Um, so wh what are you seeing from the clients that you're working with now during the pandemic? Is it different? No, it's no different. Um, hmm. I've found that it's still, um, and I guess when you say, is it different in what way? Um, so, I mean, I guess generally on both sides, right? Um, so in, in times where, you know, we'll say times of plenty, right? Where it's just tons of opportunity out there and, and people could kind of move around a bit more freely. So maybe from the perspective of the job seeker, but also from the appetite and what companies are looking for now that they've had to, you know, maybe look at their talent pool, and say we have to get a, a little bit more lean. So they're not necessarily willing to bring in, you know, they're, they're looking at the ways to average up their talent. So maybe I'm looking at it, Stevie, from, from both sides of the equation. I know in the role that I'm in, 
you know, any hiring that I do now, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about those things very much more differently than I was um, probably before when, you know, we were all kind of fat and happy, things are different. So, yeah. Um, I think on the job seeker side, it's kind of what you already described, right? Like there's a lot of talent out there, which is great. Um, and just the biggest hurdle that people have to jump over is how to make themselves stand out. Um, and be different. And I think the reason why I said it's not that different is like the same things kind of reign true, right? If you are re referred, then it always helps regardless of what time of year it is, right? And so you'll see more referrals because there's more people who are on the job market. Um, but in terms of what people are looking for, things have changed because a lot has transpired in the last 12 months, right? And so we've had a social reckoning as a country basically every month. And so a lot, because of that, I see that the way that talent is being looked at by recruiters is different, right? So I think that they were always looking from a DNI lens, but it was very, it's definitely different than the way that it was before. And so obviously we are, I, I say we, even though I'm not, I'm not a recruiter, but in helping try to think of more unique places for um, people to find talent, they're far more open. Um, to alternative uh, ways to find people to work at companies that has definitely come forward. And, there, you know, I think the great thing that I'm seeing is so many of my own peers, um, you know, are being found in unique ways and finding new opportunities, which is great. And I think that the way that recruiting was done before with the very traditional methods of going, you know, the same old places every single time, depending on whatever the organization is, even when it comes to going to like some of these more traditional um, organizations, right? Your National Black Association, um, NABA or National Black MBA or any right. of those. Those are great. They're wonderful places to find people. I'm, I was a member of National Black MBA Association, but there's other places to find talent, Black talent besides that, right? And does the degree matter as much? That has been actually, the importance of degrees has been on the past, I would say three years, it's been on a, it's been on a decline. So let's, talk about, so let's talk about that. I owe a that. lot of money, so that hurts my soul, but yeah. So let's, so let's talk about that. So here's what So here's what you don't know about me. So I, I did go to college after high school. I wasn't a very inspired student, um, if that makes any sense. Um, I, I, in some ways, I wonder if I was mature enough uh, for college, but really what spoiled it for me was I got an internship with the Navy. Uh, so I was in, um, I was in surveillance radar uh, working with a bunch of engineers as a computer science and, you know, student and I go back to school and I'm looking around like, oh, none of this stuff is important. <laughs> right. None of this is going to matter when you yeah. get out. Um, and then, you know, for really probably more financial reasons, I, I dropped out. And so I built most of my career up into the executive space without degrees. Now, I did it at a time where technology was changing so rapidly that certifications were actually seen as more valuable because um, it was more timely and useful knowledge than someone who had just kind of, frankly, just walked across the stage, right? Where right. it happened and carrying parchment. So, um, so I kind of came up that way, and then, and just a few years ago, went back and then, you know, knocked out the undergrad, did the MBA, and that was really just it was just for stripes on the uniform, Steve. I'm gonna be honest, and. I'm a huge fan of education and self-education. I think one of the reasons I've made it as far as I have is that although I left school, I continue to educate myself. 
Um, and not just in the area of my subject matter expertise, but the other things I needed to know to write well, to speak well. I learned about negotiations, sales, marketing, all those other things that even as a computer science major, they weren't going to teach me that stuff. Right. Um, and so, so, so I'm kind of really now interested in this and what spaces um, companies are beginning to de-emphasize the four-year degree because we know there's others like you're not even getting in the door without one. They don't. I don't care if it's if it's in basketball. Sure. You need a degree in something. So talk right. to me about that. I mean, there's certain industries where you absolutely do have to, right? Like my doctor needs all of the schooling, right? Um, but. I would like for my lawyer to as well, not gonna lie, but <laughs> I would say- And perhaps my accountant, go- And my go accountant, same, same thing, right. you know, the, the the bedrock of my life, those people need to be for sure have a degree. Um, but when I think about the marketing space is just completely different than what it used to be, right? Um, it's very different, I think, because of like digital learning really taking off, everything is different now. You don't need a degree, you know, you can see a million people online today that are making so much money on teaching other people what they've learned about social media and how to beat the algorithm and all that kind of stuff. Like you don't need to, it changes too rapidly, which is what you were just talking about. It, it moves too quick for you to have a degree in it. Um, I worked in digital media um, when I was at BuzzFeed and then currently at ViacomCBS being in production. In production, you don't need a degree. Um, you need to understand how the business works and basically kind of jump in mm -hmm. um, and start as early as you can and really just, you know, work your way up. Um, that it involves a different type of skill set. Um, but when I think about digital media and the folks who were over there, I would say it was a mixed bag. Some people had degrees, some people didn't, but primarily it was based on what experiences people had had. Um, for example, when I supported the tech organization at BuzzFeed, all of our engineers didn't necessarily have a degree in engineering. Some of them had gone to, you know, one of these boot camps. So they learned how that way, and maybe they were an intern for us. And then we brought them on, or, you know, we went to their school. We hosted a ton of tech events um, at BuzzFeed, um, you know, before, before the Rona. Um, and so they had a lot of meetups and stuff like that. And so they would meet talent kind of organically in that way. People could pitch themselves and say, you know, I'm coming out of this program. I've worked before. I know what a corporate experience is like. Here's what I can bring to the table. So, right. um, yeah, things are things are shifting in a lot of industries. So, what what importance does self learning have for you then? For me, it's huge because I'm always a, I want to I like learning, and so I'm always trying to find a new way to better myself or be more organized or, you know, whatever it is. I think that's the key. My dad used to read hours and hours every day. He worked for himself. So that afforded him the ability to do this. Right. But um, I didn't really understand the importance of it until I got out in the world. And I was like, oh, you do constantly need to keep up with whatever the HR trends are. You need to understand how the way that people um, present information is different. You need to know how to analyze data differently. Like what do execs want to see now? Um, I need to understand constantly what's going on in the entertainment industry on the TV side. And, you know, while business week is amazing and I like to read it from a personal standpoint, just because I want to know what's going on in the world. I need to read deadline and know what is happening in the world of entertainment on their business side, because right. that's going to be different and not necessarily covered in that publication. Right. So. 
Yeah. So, and, and clearly I'm a huge advocate of self-learning. And I think today there's just, what do you want to learn? You know, you know, there's YouTube university, as I call it, like what, I, what yes, can you I not do. learn or figure out? <laughs> yeah. um, you know, there's so many platforms now and even, you know, institutions of higher learning are providing, you know, free classes and yeah. online classes. And if, if people don't have an appetite, um, then I, I really believe these are the people that are going to get left behind. Um, and, I, and I think we then come to this place where the expectations are a bit unreasonable. Um, and I'm, and I'm sure in your, in your work that you've met people, right. Either in your role as an HR journalist or people who are your clients who have unreasonable expectations about how things should go. Um, and so I see the look on your face. <laughs> so, so when, when I say that, what pops into your head about people and unreasonable expectations? I think the most unreasonable expectation is this is how we've always done it. And okay. But things are moving, right? You got to be able to, to move with the times. I was talking about this, you know, at the beginning of our conversation, we were talking about, you know, what is the, the difficulty that people run into when they've been in, in the career space already for a while and they want to move in some way, um, you know, make a career change is you, you're stagnant in your approach to things. And so if you're not willing to move and grow or take a risk and try something different, then you get, you know, passed up, right? It's like, Blockbuster versus Netflix, right? They could have, Blockbuster could have bought Netflix. They didn't. And we see what, what happened there. Yeah. And it's interesting, you know, I'm in the technology side of it and we do have, you know, um, sort of certain technologies we refer to as legacy. Um, you know, so for instance, in financial services and banking, you know, there's still big mainframe, you know, shops with COBOL developers. Um, but anyone starting a bank today is not going to buy a mainframe, right? And so what we're seeing, even with these smaller brokerage houses, is there's no mainframes. Everything's in the cloud, um, you know, but there's have been some people who've been able to camp out, you know, for a long time on those skill sets because those industries have not been able to move away from it quite as quickly. But I think other, but that's, a, I think there's, those situations are much more rare now. Um, and we're seeing, you know, industry as a whole and, and companies in particular making those investments uh, to get on more current technology so they can be more fluid and be more agile, you know, and perhaps manage their costs better. Um, and so I think that it's a dangerous place for people to be in when they just sort of put their foot down on this is how we've always done it. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, a, there's a couple of sayings. I think one is um, sacred cows make great hamburgers or something like that. Um, there's a new one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna get you. I I the way I say it to my folks um, is you you don't want to be the person trying to domesticate a dinosaur, right? Mm, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Move on. You know you can't turn them into pets. We got it. And so I, I think that there are even in, in since you know, as you call it the Rona um, has, yeah. has come about. <laughs> it has open doors of opportunity, right? There are more, there are different sets of needs. And I think from zero to capable is not that far, mm. right? If people willing to invest some time, you know, get out of their own heads and, and take on a different perspective. There's a ton of opportunity. So anyway, so let me get off my soapbox uh, with that. But and so, so we talked about self-learning, we talked about creativity, we talked about advocacy. Um, what about, the need to cultivate a network. It's 
extremely important. It's funny, I went to college with twins who are very successful and they always would say, networking is one letter away from not working. And then they would say, your network wow. equals your, yes. And then they would say, your network equals your net worth, um, which I, wow. they did not come up with either of these, but. No, but that first one I hadn't heard before, that one I like, right? Uh, <laughs> I like that yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's I, it's absolutely true, right? I can tell you that the last, my current job and the job before I got through a referral from a friend, the same friend, but um, you know, that's the most important thing. And we met in school, right? We went to undergrad and graduate school together. So it's extremely, extremely important that the relationships you build speak for you before you get there. You know, it's the same thing of our conversation of advocacy as well at the beginning of our conversation, right? Like, I want people in my corner who I know are successful and I want them to think that I am too so that they can then go out in the world and say, hey, you know this great person? They could potentially do this thing with you, right? Um, and so I think for me, that's why I tried to, I think I do it less consciously than I did when I was in college for sure because I think I was trying to be super meticulous all the time. Um, but just, trying to always have an open heart and be open-minded as I enter different social situations, be it professional or not, um, because you don't know who's in the room, right? And so be open to meet people. I try not to take too seriously or to heart what other people are telling me about someone because I don't know what my experience with that person is gonna be, right? Um, and not from a, like a self-serving standpoint even, just generally, I don't know how I could enhance their life or vice versa. Um, and so I'm always trying to, you know, meet new people. I like to do that. Um, and whether they end up in my network from a professional or a social standpoint, I think that there's a value add for most of the relationships that you build in your life. So right. being that at the forefront, I think is key. So do you see then a difference between building your network and I will say um, deploying your network or how do you reach into your your network and pull out advantage, opportunity, advice? Um, I think this is gonna sound very millennial of me, but it's true, right? Like I'm in a bunch of different group chats. And so I know which one to go to for different things. So if I need to deploy, you know, a group of professional women in the DC area, right? I'm in a group chat for that. And so I know that I can go to them and say like, okay, I wanna to move to DC and these are the areas I'm looking, who do you know, who can I reach out to, who can I send all of you my resume, right? Um, and so I think it's thankfully as easy as that, but if I need to, I'm, I've connected with enough people on LinkedIn that I feel comfortable and have done this when I was shifting careers, mm -hmm. look at a job, look who I know that works there. Or if I see like, you know, we have a second connection in common, I'm never shy to just say, hey, I saw you know so-and-so, right? Like they work at this company that I'm interested in. Can you please make an introduction? Like I'm never shy to do that. And I think it's probably because I've helped so many people with their career, right? Like either they've paid me to do it now that I have my actual business or because just, I, I mean, obviously with my friends, if they ask me a quick question, I'm not about to charge them. So um, I, I've, because I've set my reputation or whatever up in that way, you know, it's, yep an even exchange and I'm not somebody that really asks for a ton from my network and so I think that makes it easier when I do make it ask people are willing to you know go the extra mile 
And so I think you said it right there, right? If you want to make withdrawals, you got to be making some deposits. Oh, yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. and I think there's there's spiritual laws that govern that. So, you know, in, in, in totality, it doesn't mean that I always have to deposit into this well to take something. But I'm committed in, in the totality of your life. I think if you are willing to give and support um, the, the dreams and advancements of others, then that help is coming back to you in some way, shape or form. But because um, I think that there is a lot of people that um, get very tactical at the point that they're looking for an opportunity and you realize they haven't done any of this work um, to cultivate um, a network, which is again, not just what you take out, but also what you, what you put in. Uh, and so one of the things I say is like, you, there's no good cooking that happens in a microwave, right? Like. Some of these things are a process. They have to be cultivated. Uh, and it just needs to be something that you do, um, you know, over time. So walk, walk me through a scenario, Stevie. So I've, I'm in I'm in a role. I do this one thing. I've done it for a long time with this company, 10, 15 years. And now, for whatever reason, maybe I'm displaced. Maybe I'm dissatisfied. It's time for me to roll out. I got to do something different, you know. Um, but I haven't done a lot of work, right? I haven't cultivated a network, you know, my resume, you could grow flowers in it because there's so much dust on it. Like <laughs> what, what, what process are you going to walk me through Stevie? So step one, you need to figure out what it is you want to do and why, and how, uh, how can you take your transferable, how, how can you take what you've done? No, 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 no stop you there. I know what okay. I want to do. I, I, I want a higher position, making yes. more money. At your same company. No, 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 no. Well, well, we'll do the end company. We'll talk about the road to promotion. I'm ready to, to go. You, you know, want to I'm, I'm, I'm taking my talent to South Beach. Yeah, I'm. I'm... Okay. Oh, Lord. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay, so you want to leave. I mean, the first thing. Yeah, the first thing you're going to have to do is redo your resume. And so you need to think about every accomplishment that you have made, right? And you need to figure out how you're going to take stock of that. The number one, so the thing that I typically tell people to do, what are you about to say? I feel like you're about to I'm, do Yeah, I am. I'm like, you can't just take my, my current resume and you, this is what you do. Can't you just take No, <laughs> no, I can't. And people always think they could just be like, oh, here's what I have. And I'm like, oh no, you got to work before you there's stuff that I make you do. Before so what's you your intake process like? And, I, and I'm going to say I did this once with someone who I thought wrote a fabulous resume for the time. And it did cost me a, a fair amount of money, but I think it paid for itself many times over. But she sent me this form, this document to complete, yes. and it was painful. Yes. I'm, I mean, personally for me, right? Because I just like, I was like, maybe I wasn't paying enough attention to what I've been doing or just the questions were so probing. Um, in terms of what I've done, not just what I've done, the impact of those things, the how, right, is a big part of that. Stevie, it was pages and pages. And by the time I finished, I think what I sent back to her might have been a 15 to 18 page document. Yeah. Like where you are in your career, that's not surprising. Yeah. That, but, that was the correct process, right? Because uh, for me, right, if you're going to work with me, you go to my site, there's an intake form you have to take, you have to complete, right? Uh -huh. It's going to take you... What do you do now? It's your dream field. What are we working towards? Send me some job descriptions of positions that you're interested in so I can see and send me what your current resume is. Then you get on the phone with me and I tell you that that's not enough. 
and that I'm going to require an extended version of your resume, which is all of the questions that you're talking about. I just do it on the phone, mm -hmm. right? I'm going to ask you, you got, you've got to dig deep. And it typically takes people about a week to really think through all of the things that they've done, because I don't, the resume you have today is not going to work. Otherwise we would not be having this conversation. So I, you know, you have to think through literally everything and you get detailed. And if you send it to me and it's not enough, then I will, we can get on the phone again and I can help you understand more things that I need you to include because I have to understand what to keep and what to take away. And I can't do that if you say, I filled the water cooler, then I move my stapler on my desk, right? Like if you have very simple tasks that are on there instead of accomplishments, I can't create a document that's going to help you get the best job. Right. And if I don't know what role you're trying to get hired for to figure out what those keywords are, then I can't include those in your resume either. Right. And do you ever have to tell someone with the information that they have provided to you and that conversation, and then, you know, they follow that up with, these are the jobs that I'd like to pursue. Are you the one that has to tell them like, what's on this side of the equal sign and this side, these two things don't add up. Like your experience and skills and the way you represent them does not qualify you for this position. Is that, do you, is that part of your, to get them to reset those expectations? Uh, I've really only had to do that one time. Thankfully it was, cause somebody was deciding between a couple different um, career paths and one of them, I'm like, it's going to be a big jump and you're probably going to have to go back and roll. Right. So you've gained a certain level of seniority in this track, let's say finance. And so I'm like, okay, but if you want to flip to marketing, nah, that's a bad example because you can't make that switch. But something, two things that are completely unrelated, right? Um, it, it's a lot harder to change. And so, yeah, I said, look, you're going to have, if you want to keep the salary that you have, and if that's important, and if maintaining your seniority is important to you, then you need to stay the same track that you're on. Right. Versus switching. Okay. So we've gone through this, this process which, and again, I'm just, I'm thinking about when I went through it and I know, and for people watching, don't make it seem, it's, yeah, okay. that's what I'm I don't want to make it seem like a root canal, Yeah. but it's, but it is a deep dive yes. right into your work, your career. And frankly, it's the, it's sort of documenting your value proposition. It is necessary. It's easier if you do little bits of it as you go along, yes, as you accomplish things, as you have greater understanding of your impact, if you can keep those things somewhere where they're at the ready, because at some point, and, and because, so frankly, you know, um, I think the probably the large majority of people who, who work a, a job have to do a review, right? And there's a self-appraisal yeah. component of that. Um, so, you know, like for me, those are the things, because that's really my first sort of stand for me. That's where I'm going to have those things documented. So I keep up with right. them so I can make sure that, you know, when it's, when it's time to, to look at, you know, increases and things like that, that I can speak to my value proposition somehow people can go years and not have any of that, you know, information around. So yeah, it's, I mean, it's just necessary, right? Regardless to whether I don't like to do it, but who does, I mean, but it's just necessary. But I think that's where someone with your perspective on it, really, that's, that's a lot of the value of it is helping to guide someone through that process. So they're at the highest level of preparedness that they could be for that next opportunity. It's just what you have to, you know, some, if someone told me I have to replace all four tires on my car, I'm not going to want to do that. Right. People don't want to slide off the road or, you know, rear end anybody. <laughs> so 
we'll suck it up and we'll buy four new tires, right? And get them balanced and all that sort of wonderful stuff. So yeah, I don't, I'm not trying to poo poo it, Stevie. I just remember last time I had to do it. Yeah. Um, so, it, but it, it is work, but if that, it may be the difference for people who have a job versus a career. If you have a career, you, you understand the value of this particular pivot and what you have to do. So we, 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 you have job descriptions, we have an updated resume. So what's the coaching part of it look like as we prepare for interviews and that sort of thing? How does that go? Um, from If I do a mock interview, it's a similar intake process. I still need your resume. I need to know what resume you submitted. Um, if there's any other documents, I want you to send me those as well um, that were a part of your application so that I understand and that I need to see the job description as well. Um, because then I need to do a lot of preparation in terms of researching the company. What does their financial statement look like? If it's public, understanding um, if you are, so if you're doing like a social media marketing position, right? I'm going to look at what do your, your socials look like? If you've done any other companies, what do those look like? What's the current state of what this new company looks like? And how do you think you can make those changes, right? So I'm coming up with um, what the what the company I think they're going to ask you based on whatever the position is. Um, also, obviously, checking out Glassdoor, salary.com. Right. And so this so this goes back to, again, my first understanding of who you are. Is, yeah. is this is what you I do. actually do that? I would like, yeah, that right there. That's <laughs> that's it. But you and you spoke rather quickly through the work that you have to do to prepare to walk someone through a mock interview, right? And it, it can be a lot. So I do want you to speak to that because I think when folks go to someone like you, they think they're going to see Miss Chloe, like a psychic, like you're just going to, you know. It's like, I'll just know. You know it's like, yeah, you should just like, no. Yeah. So, and maybe it's the same points, maybe you, you can speak about it differently, but that prep and how you now, and you know, have to get yourself prepared to help this person. How much time are you spending? to help someone prepare for, you know, a mock interview? So for a mock interview, it's going to take at least two hours because it's probably, people come to me from all industries. And so typically it's something that I have never worked in before. And so I have to gain a general understanding of what it is they're trying to do and then the job itself. And then I have to understand the person, right? So those three components take a lot of time and I have to deep dive because I don't want to phone it in, right? Like people are paying me. And so it's not, I don't, it's not something that I take lightly. And so doing the company research and really sitting down to understand how, what does their performance look like? What do people say about them? I really take time to look at the reviews um, and understand the company culture because being in HR, I do understand what an important piece culture fit is. And I think a lot of people discount that, but it is very imperative when people are making hiring decisions for better or worse. Um, and so taking time with the individual is with that first intake call so that when I receive their information, when you sign up on my site, um, you know, I will look through everything and understand, you know, what does your LinkedIn profile look like? Like, what's the package of you that they said, okay, we want to talk to this person. Like right. I need a holistic understanding of that and understand what your conversation with the recruiter was like. Cause by the time you get to me, you've already talked to the recruiter. So um, yeah. your last round of interviews. Yeah. I mean, unless someone's like, unless someone's at the very beginning of the process, right? And you're yeah. Usually the they hit me middle end. Right. 
And I think, and to the point of what you said, and again, in that first interaction, I there was no way for me to tell that you didn't have a deep background in healthcare, right? Which was subject matter expertise, especially in that space, right? Dealing with these plans and, you know, markets and proposals and contracts. And as I look at some of that stuff and I have to deep dive and ask a lot of questions, it's a ton of acronyms. Like I would have never known Stevie that that was not your area of expertise. That's, that's how well it was handled. Um, So kudos to you for the prep work that you do for that. Um, so that's on that side of it. So now within my own company, I want to promote. You want to move up. I want to move up. I want, I want, the, I want the big chair. Uh, seven years. That is a substantial amount of time. So I, my question would be, why do you, why after seven years do you want to move up? Because I should be in charge, Stevie. I mean, it's the no. next, it's just the next thing for me. <laughs> and I would say that's not enough, right? Like, I, you need you need a very clear understanding of why it is you want to move forward. I, well, but I, and so I answered it that way because I know that there are folks because I've been. That's how they come to me. People come to me. It's like I'm ready for this mm-hmm. management role, and they think it's their turn and they're up next. And, you know, people don't come with the fact that they believe that, you know, so here's the way I look at it, right? So this is, you know, my value proposition. This is what I've been able to do, accomplish, contribute and bring to, you know, um, the goals and objectives of the company. And I am really believing that at a higher level of influence that I can then broaden that, right? Um, And, and that gets to, and again, mine is, is directly over technology strategy, but also people. And so for me, it's that opportunity to now be able to deposit into more people, you know, for their professional development and continue to average up the talent. And so, you know, for the seats that I've, that I've been in and want to occupy, it's all those things. So I just believe that at a higher, I can better serve the overall mission of the company from this seat better than I can from this seat. But you know, but again, I get it's, it's my turn. People know that it comes with more money. There's some real superficial things that yeah. people bring up. So hence the reason I asked, but, and it's probably right. seven years, but it depends like in certain areas, like again, where I came from in banking, because the industry is so large, the institutions are so right. big, right. the projects have a really long life cycle to them. Like a project you're on, could reasonably be a three to five year project and implementation could be 18 months. So by the time you get to seven years, that's really only three times around the track for some. So in some industries, it's not. In some industries, yes, you're absolutely right. It's Um, not, it's not that long. It's seven years. They're like, oh, you, you almost ready. Right. No, I know you're, I I, believe me, I know, Um, because I've worked in multiple industries. I'm like, I know that's definitely a true statement. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's, you can't just jump up in one day and be like, I need to be making more money. Or you find out how much your buddy in the same industry is making and you're like, oh, I should be making more, right? It it needs to be a, a very clear, compelling reason as to why you need to move forward. Is it because you had a big win? You've had consistent wins over the last seven years, um, or you can, you know, very clearly show your growth over, you know, an extended period of time 
and that you've gone over and above with your goals, then okay, now we can have a conversation about why you're ready to move forward. Because most people come to me and they're like, I did everything on my goals list. I'm like, okay, well, did you do anything extra? Because that's what's going to differentiate you from everybody else that's moving forward. And you might not see it, but that's typically what's happening. Yeah, I'm also not a fan of promotion as a sort of like a graduation sort of thing. Um, oh, so many it, people operate like that. Yeah, I mean, and and so, oh yeah, but that's really how they, you know, how people look at it, and I think that that can be problematic, right? If one is there, that perspective is going to leave them miserable, right? Because they don't understand the maybe the non-answers that they're getting or the no's that they're that they're getting again, as, as opposed to advancing their value proposition and really how can they more better contribute. But you also said something else, you know, the person who does exactly what they're asked is going to stay exactly where they are. Yeah. Right. It's the person who's, who's thinking ahead and, and solving the problems. And when everyone steps back, they step forward, you know, um, and the person who is willing to demonstrate that this, they just have an inclination to contribute differently. I think that a person who, truly deserves the promotion is a person who's already doing some aspect of that next role anyway. Yes. And so yeah. the promotion is really just helping them to have, um, again, the proper way to influence at that level and then the commensurate compensation that goes with it. But I don't think right. we'll just promote again. It's like going from, you know, middle school to high school. Like it's only just say it's this not automatic. Well, I'm to not, be clear, I'm not a fan, I'm not a fan of kids graduating from kindergarten into like, it just nonsense. Stop that. Um, but, <laughs> but there's a lot of those events that happen with people. And then if you've yeah. been around large cultures and, and organizations the way that I have, you see people who've, you know, sort of been like part of the no child left behind program and they get into these levels of like, you have no godly business here. Being here. Correct. Right? So now you're a problem for the organization, the people who are above you to the society, the people below you. Um, so that thing is like my turn. I'm up next. I'm not feeling that. So, but anyway, again, so far. Corporations used to operate that way. And you get people who tell their children that, and then they get in the workplace and they expect the same thing, right? I mean, it hasn't been that way for a very long time, but people don't want to let go of that notion. And in some industries, that is still how things. I was just about to say, go back, go to financial services. It's not all the way gone. Yeah. It's not all the way gone. It's not. It's not even near all the way gone. No, no. Um, but if you are not in a, you need to be in a position of privilege on a lot of different fronts for your career to move forward like that. And mm-hmm. 99% of people do not have that on their side. That's right. really what the difference is now. Right. Um, it's not, the way that it operates is very different, particularly in corporate spaces. It, it's different. Right. You can't get away with that quite like you used to. Agreed. Um, and because companies are, are forced to look at things differently, right? Again, yes. you know, just the, the constant flow of, of easy money coming in the doors look a little bit different as their customers and markets and all these sectors have changed. Companies have to change. Therefore, the talent has to change to be able to really align with uh, where these corporations and, you know, businesses, small, medium sized, whatever need to go. I think that the calling card for all of us um, has changed quite a bit. So, yeah, well, that's it. So I've held you for for quite a minute here. Um, so I, I, I can't even tell you how much I appreciate um, what you, the things that you've shared uh, with Pivot Play. We always want to leave some breadcrumbs for people, um, things that they can think about and implement. 
uh, to really move their their life and their their goals and their mission ahead. So thank you so much for your contribution today, Stevie. Yeah, thanks yeah. for inviting me. This is great. Yeah. So um, so do me a favor and, and tell folks where they can find you. Yes, you can find me on my website is Stevie L is my middle initial for Lynn Coleman.com. If you want to work with me, you click the work with me tab. <laughs> It'll be on the upper left hand side when you go there and you can see what services I offer. Um, if you want to do just a general discovery call with me, you can fill out an intake form. 50 bucks for 30 minutes. I'd be happy to have a conversation with you to just understand what your goals are. Um, and that'll be applied to whatever service you decide to move forward with. Um, should we decide to work together? Um, you can find me on my socials. I'm most active on Instagram. It's Stevie, the number one, wonderful. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So what she really said was find her on Instagram, find her on her website. This is the end of the free advice. Just don't, don't ask. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> a one-off question. I'm no, I have no problem answering a one-off question, but an expensive question is different. Yeah, it's funny. I, I'll say this in our in our intake. Uh, well, intake. I'm using that word now. That wasn't it. But in our in our in, in our phone conversation the other day, that's one of the things that we I think we both laughed at is sometimes people ask you a really expensive question. Yes. Right, and they don't understand how expensive that question is. It comes out it's, it's, it comes in casual packaging, but it's really an expensive question, right? And that was such a great question. I'd love to talk with you more. You can go to cvlcoleman.com slash work with me and we can talk more. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, so so folks, um, again, check Stevie out, um, not just on the career stuff, but also on the beauty tip as well. She is doing a ton of things. Um, and just keep in mind that the project on the table is your life. If you don't work on it, no one else will. See you, folks.